Well, good morning, church. So this morning, I'm going to declare over all of us, I like to say good morning, church, and there's really a reason for me to do that. So this morning, I'm going to declare over every one of us here that you are indeed the ecclesia, that is, the called out. You are the assembly of the Most High God here on earth. And I declare that over you all. So, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. That's where we'll be preaching from this morning. But while you're turning there, I want to tell a little story. And really, it's probably a little bit more than a story and more of a confession. More of a confession. A couple of weeks ago, I stopped at a service station in Central Texas, and I jumped out of my truck to refuel And as soon as I get out of my truck, I look on the other side of the gas pump, and I can only kind of see a little bit around the gas pump, and I can kind of see underneath the sign that's advertising, I don't know, breakfast burritos or some fountain drink that's illegal in New York City. And, um, but my eyes are drawn to this gentleman that's on the other side of the pump. And I look at him, and he's got... A shaved head, shaved head, full beard, a young man, full beard. From his beard down, he is tatted up like crazy. He's wearing this shirt, and I can kind of see some scrawl on his shirt. It looks like anarchist writing. And I look at the piercings, and I look at the tattoos, and I look at everything that's going on there, and I'm going, okay, i got to go on point here. I need to kind of pay attention to this guy. Maybe this, maybe this is a bad dude. <laughs> so I'm watching. I got him. And, the, and God has called me to kind of look at this situation. And then I see a young woman come around the back of this Toyota SUV. And while she's not as tatted up as he is, she's pretty well pierced up. And I think, okay. I really, I really do need to pay attention to what's going on here. And I'm fueling, and I'm kind of watching, and I'm pumping my diesel. And, and then I see them messing around in the back of their truck, this little SUV. And then I see something, brothers and sisters, that I did not expect to see. I see this man that I have all of these preconceptions about. And he reaches down, and he pulls out this most beautiful baby girl, maybe 14 months old. And her cheeks are just puffy, and her hair is all curly. And I'm looking, and he lifts her up, and his, his, the woman comes alongside of him, and he lifts the baby up over his head, And the baby's eyes are filled with joy, and his eyes are filled with joy, and the woman's eyes are filled with joy. It's like, what? What is going on here? What's going on? This is not what I expected to see. And I see them raise the baby up and down, and and the joy that is being interchanged between the three of them is just amazing. 
And I'm sitting there and I'm going, look at the love and the joy and the peace that is there. Now, I'm thinking one thing, but I'm seeing something that I completely never expected to see. Never expected to see this. And right there, I began to really even pay more attention, and I see that there's wedding bands on on the man and the woman's fingers, and I think, you know, Lord, I get it. I get it. I'm convicted. I'm convicted right there. And we're going to come back to this story at the end of this message because I want to talk a little bit more about what I saw and what I experienced there. But I just want to set the scene and set the stage for what we're going to talk about today. We're going to cover a passage in 1 Peter, and I'm going to ask Marietta to come up and read the passage for us and address the first couple of verses. This is my wife, Marietta. I'm a blessed man. Thank you. Good morning. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know that you're on. You heard me. There you go. I'm a blessed woman. Well, you can repeat <laughs> that again. I didn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're reading from 1 Peter chapter 3. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind. Everybody say one mind. One mind. Tell yourself, have one mind. Have one mind. Having compassion for one another as brothers Be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Please pray with me. Father God, I thank you that each of us was able to get here today, that you woke us up, And our morning worked out to where we were able to be in your presence, enjoy the wonderful worship, seeking you and your face. 
As we get into your word, Father, I ask that Greg and I would handle the word rightly, that you would use your Holy Spirit to speak to us, and anything that's said that is not of you, Father, I pray it would fall on deaf ears. We thank you for this day. Help us to be ambassadors of Christ as we go about about our day, that we are about your business. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Peter, we've been studying the book of 1 Peter. And in the first chapter, we kind of get lay, what he does is lay out the gospel for us, who we are, who Christ is, why we are, why we worship him, and why we are called to do the things that we do as the body of Christ. In the second chapter, he tells us how to get, to, get along with the authorities that are in place over us. And he tells us all those authorities that are in place, he put there. Okay, so he says, you're going to get along with the authorities. And then he tells us, oh, by the way, if you're working, if you have someone working for you, you're going to get along with them too. And he tells us how to, how to accomplish that. And then in this chapter, chapter three, he's going into talking to us about uh, personal relationships in the home and then with each other because uh, it starts in our homes. How we treat each other starts in our home. This is where kids learn how to treat each other. From the example of the husband, the wife, the father, the mother. So we're going to take a look a little bit closer at the scripture that we just read. Um, I am not going to park it on submission. Every woman go, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I do want you to notice a couple of things. I want you to notice that it's mentioned twice. And whenever God says something twice, so close together, it's super important. It means we should go back, read it again and again and again, try to get our minds around what he's trying to tell us, and then do some introspection. Look at, your, look at ourselves, not at everybody else, every other woman out there. Look at yourself and what you're doing in your marriage. Um, it, the other thing I want you to notice that in verses 1 and 2, he makes it very clear that this is a heart condition. It's not about just obeying him because he said to do it. It's not just about uh, doing it because you, you want your husband's love or you love your husband. It's because you love Christ, that you're willing to have a different marriage than the world has. And it's a choice, ladies. I hope you're listening, men. I said it's a choice. It's a decision. No one beats you up to make you do it. Husbands, husbands-to-be, look it closely. Nowhere in there does it say force your wife to submit to you. Force your wife to be subject to you. Make her submit. In fact, I searched my whole Bible, and I couldn't find it anywhere in my Bible where husbands are told to beat their wives into submission. I checked Greg's Bible, and I couldn't find it there either. <laughs> so, 
And I don't, I don't want to skip over the, the verses that talk about beauty. That's all, by the way, that's all I'm going to say about submission. Aren't you glad? Now you can do this again. <laughs> um, I am not, uh, I want us to look at that, the beauty, and we all know it's not about how we look out here. It's about how we look in our heart, right? Every woman knows that. But we spend a whole lot of time every month, some of us more, more than others, as I get older, way more than I used to, in front of the mirror, at the hairdressers, at any other person who's involved in making me look good, the clothing store, the girl that can bring the clothes to you that fit you right, all of that, if we took all those hours that we spend every morning, every month, maintaining what we are trying to stay looking like for other people to look at, if we took all those hours and added them up and spend that much time making sure we were communing with God, what kind of women would we be? What kind of daughters of the king? And I'm guilty of that. I'm sure that I'm, maybe I'm alone. I don't know. But I think that what God is trying to do is here in this passage is have us look at cultivating our own heart and the beauty that comes from being a quiet, it says quiet, <clears throat> and peaceable is the, is the translation, peaceable spirit. Amen. Um, we're told in verse 5 that we're supposed to put our trust in God. Not in our husbands, in God. Because people will always disappoint us. But God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will never, ever disappoint us. We can rest on his, and hope in his unfailing love for us. And one other thing that I don't want to skip over here as well, in the initially, it says that wives who are married to someone who's not a believer can be the evangelist in their family just by her conduct. And that, that word conduct in there is actually translated conversation in several other places in the word. Conversation, whoa. Does your conversation at home make your husband or your friends who are unbelievers want what you have, Christ. And so as women, and, and as gentlemen in here as well, your conversation, how you conduct your lifestyle, can be what brings someone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can I pass off to you? That's good. Pass off to you. Okay. Is that like the, the wrestling move? Yeah. What do they do? <laughs> Somebody told us that that was a tag team, so Marietta's tagging out. I'll pick it up with uh, verse 7, which is up on the big screen Bible there. Um, so then Peter addresses the husbands in this passage, and that word dwell is very important in the Scripture. This Greek word is sunokeos. It only appears in one place in the New Testament, right there, verse 7. Um, what it means is, okeos means to dwell, cohabitate, abide with each other. But then Peter puts this Greek 
preposition on it called soon, which takes it to an entirely different level. Soon means the highest level of cohabitation. Actually implies completeness, completeness. So what Peter is telling us here is that, husbands, you want to dwell with your wives in a complete way, in every way, so that when I think of dwell, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll fall to that lower level. The thing that I'm thinking about in terms of dwelling is, you know, I come home, kick my shoes off, put my feet up on the coffee table, and ask Marietta, what's for dinner? <clears throat> Which really doesn't work at my house. But, you know, we, we will th- think of dwelling that way. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about dwelling in a manner that understands that Marietta is my indeed completer. She is my completeness. And when this passage was written by Peter, it's really revolutionary because, as Pastor Allen covered before, this passage was written in about 67 A.D. What Peter is doing here is he's taking the wife and he's putting her on a level that is equal to the husband. This is unheard of. It's revolutionary in its day. And it's really, in some cases, revolutionary for for some of us now. It should not be. We are joint heirs together of the grace of life. Isn't that awesome? And then this is an instruction given to the husbands that comes with a promise. The promise is that if we do these things, if we honor our wives, if we dwell with them in this highest manner, if we recognize that they are jointly heirs with us of the grace of life, our prayers will not be hindered. Prayers will not be hindered. Well, I want that promise, but let me tell you something. The husbands that were living in the displaced areas back in 67 AD, they're living in regions of Turkey to where this letter was addressed. These guys needed prayers that needed to be answered. They didn't go down to, you know, the dock in the box on the corner. They had to pray. They had to pray for provision. This promise is powerful. Husbands, we need to reclaim this promise. I don't want my prayers to be hindered, and I know that you don't want your prayers to be hindered either. Let's dwell with our wives in understanding. Now, Peter then moves on, and he goes to verse 8 and continuing to verse 12. The last couple of verses he actually quotes out of Psalm 34. But he then changes his direction and he says, okay, let's talk about how we, we all, we all as the body of Christ are going to live together in unity, recognizing that here is a community in northern Turkey that is in the middle, they have been displaced, and they're living under the rule of a government that is really anti-Christ. Antichrist. These people are antagonistic towards the Christians. And so Peter is saying, this is how you're going to live as a body in unity. And, and I love the way that Peter puts it because Peter is so succinct. He's a man of few words. And so he just gets right to it. How are we going to live together in unity? Okay, I'll tell you how we're going to live together in unity because it applies to us today. What are we going to do? We're going to have compassion for one another. We're going to have compassion for one another. We're going to love one another. We're going to be courteous to each other. 
and we're going to be tender. In other words, I'm going to empathize with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to refrain from talking bad about my brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're going to refrain from talking bad about each other. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to speak blessings over each other. We're going to speak blessings over each other. And then Peter tosses in another promise because you will receive a blessing if you do that. Well, I want that blessing. And then he closes out with that quote from Psalm 34. And this is really important. I want you to hear this, church, because it's important for us today. He says, okay, now I want you to get this. God hears our prayers. God watches over us. And God is taking care of evil. That's what God is doing. Three things that if we can get our mind around today are going to be really valuable for us. That God is watching over us. God is hearing our prayers. And God is the one that's taking care of evil. He was doing it then. He's doing it now. Doing it then. Doing it now. I'm going to read to you brothers and sisters, a proclamation that was made in our nation's capital a number of years ago. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings, no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. And I think that probably, as I read that, a lot of you can guess where that came from. But I'll tell you, this was a proclamation issued by Abraham Lincoln at the darkest days of the Civil War when our nation was so divided that it looked like it was going to truly cease to exist, at least as in the form that we know it. So Abraham Lincoln was issuing a proclamation and saying, we need to return to the Lord God Almighty. We need to fast. We need to pray for our nation. We need God to unify us.
See, it was really no different then than it is now. I mean, the divisions may have changed. Back then it was slave versus free. Today we might call it black versus white. Back then it was north, north versus south. Today we would call it red states versus blue states. Back then it was blue versus gray, and today, unfortunately, we might call it police versus protesters. And we could go on and on and on in today's age about the divisions that seem to be facing us right now. We could talk about Republican versus Democrat or man versus woman or young versus old or, or CNN versus Fox News or Trump versus Clinton or liberal versus conservative. And I'll tell you, church, what is happening is that while I appreciate the technology, we have gotten caught up in it to the point that it is dividing us. It's the Facebook and the Instagrams and the emails and the 24-hour news cycle and the Internet And what this has allowed us to do is to compare and to compartmentalize and to label ourselves to such a finite degree that nothing can come out of this except division. Division comes out of it. And that's exactly what the enemy of our souls would want to have happen. Division. Because if there's division, it makes it easier for us to take the, our eyes off the one, the good God that created us and to begin to look at each other and I'm going to start to look and I'm going to see how I'm different from you and I'm different from you and I'm different from you. And this is exactly what the enemy wants to have happen. And then as I begin to look at you instead of looking at the Lord God Almighty, then I begin to fall into another trap that the enemy would set for me, and that would be, you know what? I'm going to start believing that there is an answer that let man, little m, man, some politician, some diplomat, some technocrat, has an answer for what's going on in the world today. I'm going to start believing that? I don't think so. But it's easy to do that if I begin to look out here. You see this? You see... This is exactly what the enemy wants. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 5 says that you need to beware because your enemy, the devil, is running around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And just like a lion, what the enemy wants is he wants somebody that's by themselves, that's divided. He recognizes the power of unity. He recognizes the power of unity. So what's going on? Uh, when, when you receive the, if you receive the email version of the bulletin, <laughs> the title of the email this, this week was, what in the world is going on? What in the world is going on? Yeah, real, well, what in the world is going on? The flag of our great nation has flown at half-mast during the last two months three times because we see what has taken place in the world. It's terror 
and senseless killings. And so what do we what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Well, I think that God has made us. We need to hear that call that God has placed on us as, as the ecclesia. We need to return and fix our eyes on the Lord God Almighty. We need to understand what it's like and why it's important that we dwell as brothers and sisters in unity. How's that even possible? How can we how can we how can we live in unity? Well, the word has the answer. Philippians 2 says that we let this mind be in us which was also in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3 says that we set our mind on things above and not on earthly things, but we set our mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, this is, doesn't mean that we're going to be like some science fiction Borg or something like that, all automatons. Not at all. God created us to be different, to have different giftings, to do different things in the body. And this is a wonderful part of what God created us to be and do. But we're all going to have the same mind, that is, the mind of Christ. And if we can achieve that, then we can't help but draw closer to each other. We can't help but draw closer to each other. You see, as we look up, we say, Lord God, you are what we need. And we try to draw closer to him. We're actually coming together. Do you see that? Do you see that? It's important to understand. And this, this approach brothers and sisters, will be our witness. When the world, who is, which is so divided, begins to see that there is something different about the body of Christ, that there is peace and love and unity there, that there is a purpose that extends beyond our purpose here on earth, that will be the witness. Just exactly what Marietta described in the first part of, 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 of this chapter 3, where the wife is actually operating as a walking evangel to her husband, we will be that testimony to the world that is looking for what in the world is going on. We're looking for that answer. You see this? This is what God is calling us to do. I believe it. This is what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to a state of unity. I want to circle back around, and I'll close this, but Marietta, um, as we were preparing this word, I asked, uh, many times the Holy Spirit will give Marietta... um, a spoken word, and he's faithful, and he did it this time, and I want Marietta to come up here, and I'll tag out. She'll tag in, and she'll uh, we'll hear the word. One man, one woman. 
two distinct beings, the bride and bridegroom, lives weave together into one three-chord strand that is not quickly broken. The two become one flesh, his wedding plan. Replace God, the center cord, or add a strand tangled with some old selfish desires, other people's ideas, or the world's views. Matrimony, he ordained, malfunctions. It breaks down, deteriorates, weakens, erodes, corrodes into confusion. Peace disappears, and faults rise in its place. It's his fault, her fault, their fault, the world's fault, but it's never anyone's owned own fault. Anger, pride, deceit, malice, and slander give birth to loneliness and hopelessness and when full grown, lead to the union's death. It's a very dangerous place to be, living together without his unity. One body, different flavors. One Christ. Many people, one way, one truth, one life. We are the bride, and he is the bridegroom. The bride waits patiently, looks for him, does not slumber or search for another, leans on the word, he has left us until the glorious wedding celebration when all his body, his bride, will enter in. Don't be deceived, all his loved children. It's not for those who are not called his own. So why do we quarrel? Why do we see color, denomination, sex, ethnicity? We let lies of prejudice, opinions pass, the world's empty promises cast a shadow over our thoughtless minds. When it's clear, we are all of one kind. When we leave these temporary earthly cloaks behind, we will live eternally in new robes divine. These transient differences will pass away. In the scheme of eternity, they are but for one day. Harmony in the body is God's perfect design. Let's not see color, denomination, sex, ethnicity. Let's make a decision to be of one mind. Let's not see them and us and you versus me. Let's be Christ's body for all to see. Yes, it's a beautiful place to be, dwelling, all of us, together in his unity. Wow. Wow. I am indeed blessed by my wife because she hears from God. So, let's return to the story that I told when I started this morning. I told you that it was confession, and it was indeed, because what I allowed to happen, and here's I've prayed about this, and I've looked back on it 
And this is what God has revealed to me. And so I have to confess it before you. God did indeed point out this gentleman to me. And my immediate response was to make an assessment, to allow everything that I saw begin to color what I was thinking. The tattoos and the beard and the anarchist shirt and all of those things colored what I was doing, and I did throw that barrier up. And I know that what my opportunity was there was to actually engage this young couple as they were engaged in interacting with their child in a manner of love and just talk to them about, you know, this love here flows from this love here. And that's what God called me to do, and I miss it because what I brought to the table. And I have to repent to God for that, and I'm sorry about it. And I know that God is a forgiving God, and I thank God for that. But if I had to do it over again, church, and I would, would do it today, I would, I would approach that couple. There's no doubt about it. Marietta's word talks about how what we have here is so, so temporary, so temporal. It's only but for a moment, but what we have in us and what we have to give to the world. And Shelby, you want to come up here and help me out on the keyboard? But what we have to give to the world is eternal. It's a gift that nobody else has. Only us that believe in Jesus Christ. Nobody else has it. And the world needs it. Nobody has the unity that we can achieve when we focus our our minds on Christ Jesus. Nobody has the peace that we have. This is going to be our testimony, brothers and sisters, as the world, as God continues to move the world to a place of restoration, we need to get engaged and we need to be participants with what God is doing in the world today. It looks bad. It looks bad. I'm devastated when I read the news. Yeah, I'm going to read the news. I'm going to understand it. I'm not going to focus on it. I'm going to say, God, what would you have me do? And I'm going to tell you right now that I'm not going to get this right every time. I'm going to fail. But I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on going. So church, I just want to encourage you today. What in the world is going on? God is still on the throne. He is the answer. It's not a politician. It's not an election. It's not a coup. It's not a secession. God is the answer. God is the answer. You, brothers and sisters, are his messenger. You are his vessels. I want every head to bow right now. And I'm just going to offer up a couple of prayers, and every head is bowed. And so I always want to offer an opportunity 
um, that if anything that I've been talking about this morning, as I talked about the peace that we have in Jesus Christ and that we have the mind of Jesus, if, if you've been hearing these words and you've never made a declaration and said, yeah, you know, I want that peace. I want to experience that love. I want to know that I am indeed an eternal being and that I will be reconciled and I will be in the presence of the Most High God for eternity. If you have never made that decision by declaring Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all I'm going to ask you to do very quickly is just slip your hand up and then slip it right back down. Anybody? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Okay, and then the second part of this prayer and I'm going to pray this over all of us, including myself, is, is really more designed to just buttress what we already know. But I'm going to ask you to respond to this as well. So, Lord, I just thank you for this word that you've spoken. I thank you, Lord God, that you are a God that is in control. Lord God, we declare that is true today. And it will be true for eternity, Lord. I thank you for the people that are hearing this message, Father God. I thank you, Lord God, that you strengthen your people to do those things that you have called them to do, to live in unity and peace, love, and, 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 and be those walking evangelists that the world needs. I thank you, Lord God, that there is unity in this community. I thank you, Lord God, that that we will dwell with each other with love and compassion. Be tender-hearted, Lord. And brothers and sisters, I just want to ask, as your heads are bowed, that if you want to make a declaration today that you're going to leave this place and you're going to be that vessel that God has called you to be to a world that is hurting, I just want you to slip your hand up really quickly. There's hands going up all over this auditorium and you can put them back down and I just thank you for that Lord I thank you for the declarations that are made here this morning Father God thank you Lord God that you are indeed the provision that you are indeed the answer Father I just ask Lord God that you would bless my brothers and sisters in every way thank you Lord God that you are equipping them to be your voice in the earth Thank you, Lord God, that we even are allowed to partner with you as you restore your creation, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for coming, church. Amen.